Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's a new year, and it's a new decade, and it's a new opportunity to serve Christ here at Scott Street. It's uh, 2020. It seems odd. Have you been signing it? 2020? It's... uh, it's beautiful. I like it. Paul was the first one to say to me, it's, it's the year of clear vision. We're going to see with 2020 vision, so I have to pay him a quarter every time I mention that. Um, <clears throat> it's a year for, for clear vision. And um, we pray God will give us vision as individuals, as a church family, as a community, as how we can serve him best. As I was preparing for this sermon, I read from the author G.K. Chesterton. Now, he was a, a popular... Um, author, writer, speaker, and a friend of mine sort of encouraged me to get to to read some of his materials. And Chesterton wrote, the object of the new year is not that we should have a new year, it's that we should have a new soul, new feet, new backbone, new ears, new eyes. Unless a person starts afresh about things, they will certainly do nothing effective. A call to, to a new What's new with you? Well, I pray every morning something is new. God teaches you something new. We might be old dogs, but we can learn new tricks, let me tell you. At the end of the year this year, you may have noticed, as we do at the end of most years, the newspapers, magazines, television, always looking at what the last year, the best and the worst of last year, and then looking forward, probably predicting what's going to come in the coming year. And um, so here we are at the first Sunday the 5th of January, 2020, and we look forward to the new year. What does it hold for us? Will there be joy? Well, I think we can count on that. We look forward to joy. Will there be difficulties? Well, we can probably count on that too. But we will overcome. We will survive. And we will take care of one another. Amen? Amen. There are so many wonderful scriptures to look at in this new year. I loved uh, Bob's story. And uh, the scripture that we chose this morning, Ephesians 5, 15 to 20, is is a powerful scripture. I hope you enjoyed it as Joan read it. I'm going to read it again. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart. Make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There was a boy who told his father, Dad, if you have three frogs sitting on a limb over a pond, and one decides to jump into the the pond... How many frogs are left on the limb? Well, Dad said, Dad said there's, there were two and one jumps off. Obviously, there are two. The son replied, no. There's three frogs and one decides to jump into the water. How many are left? And Dad, uh, Dad says, none. Because when one jumps, the other two jump after him. And the son says, no, no, that's not the answer. The answer, Dad, is, I heard it, three. The frog only decided to jump. 
He just never got around to it. And that is our New Year's resolutions. We make great decisions. This we will do. That we will do. But we never do it. Has that ever happened to you? You have decided, and then it just doesn't happen. The point of the illustration is that we don't do anything until we jump. My encouragement for you in 2020 is to decide and then jump. Our challenge is to jump today in 2020. So we find our scripture reading this morning in the book of uh, Ephesians, and that was to the Christians in Ephesus. That's down on the west, just around the hump there in, uh, in Turkey, on the coast. It's, a, it's an incredible city. Um, an ancient, all that's left now is, is the, the torn down um, historic uh, buildings. It's an incredible place to walk. Um, so Paul is writing to the Ephesians in Turkey, and um, he's telling them, be careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity. And if I can add to Paul's words, making, taking advantage of every day, every minute, every breath we have, taking advantage of every opportunity. Now, the Greek word here for opportunity is actually the word redeem, redeem. Redeem is to take the ordinary and turn it into the extraordinary. What's the difference, Travis, between any old minute and the minute you stood up here and, and said, I do? That was a, that was a very redeeming moment. It, it, that was, it was a, a moment when God reached in and, and you and, and Sarah both said yes. Not, not an average moment. You redeemed that time. How about uh, when you eat a, a meal in 2020? Let's not eat alone. Let's pray and then let's eat together. Eat with others. Eat with the kids. A meal is important if it's given to God. I love, I love these days people like to take pictures of their food. Have you seen people in restaurants taking pictures of food? It's the new grace. You know, they're, you know they're thankful for the food and it's so beautiful so they take a picture. Well, we used to just pray and thank God. Now let's pray, thank God, and then take a picture if you want. <clears throat> Redeeming, taking every opportunity of even the simplest things. I remember when I was young, I would visit my old aunts and uncles. And my family, we're seven generations, we're up... Uh, uh, up north Shelburne Way. And um, some of them were 60 years old. Some of them, believe it or not, were 70. My old aunts and uncles. And as a young boy, I would look up to them and I'd wonder how they could live that long. And I wonder what it was like. We would drive out to where the old farms were, where, they, where, where the family lived. No electricity. No TV. Not even cars. They used to have their cutters and the horses. My dad and my uncles would take care of the horses. And um, I, my one uncle, Uncle Ren, Renford, he made rope. And he would take me into his shed and he would show me how he made rope. And then in the, um, 
as winter was coming, he'd take me to his sugar shack and he'd show me how he would collect the, the buckets of sap from the trees and he would make sugar. And he would hang things using his rope. And I was like, this is a whole nother world. Making rope. You don't make rope, you buy rope. It's from China. Everybody knows that. And then somehow my hair started to fall out and I started to get a sore back and, and I got a little bit older. And kids looked at me and said, you went to school without a computer? What? I tell them about a typewriter that you typed and you didn't even plug it in. Da-da-da-ding, ding They can't believe it. I have one in my office just to prove it. Um, the kids wonder, Rob, Pastor Rob, how could, you, how could you know anything without Google? If you couldn't Google something, how can you know anything? And then, even more important, how did you ever get around without a GPS? How do you not get lost without a GPS? Then I, I love to tell kids this one. I traveled across Canada from BC to Toronto in the back of my father's station wagon, playing with my sisters. No seatbelts. No nothing. In the back of the car. Both ways. And I'm alive. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Now they'd say my parents should be put in jail for not taking care of us. I didn't think of it. I was just enjoying the station wagon. Things have changed. Taking advantage of every moment. My life has gone by so fast. Somehow I survived the back of the station wagon across Canada. I would, now I look back and I wonder where the time has gone. The older I get, the more I realize that Paul is correct, that I need to take advantage of every opportunity. Yeah, my heart attack was a good thing. I try not to mention it every Sunday, but it was a good thing. It's a, it made me realize I do not, I cannot count on tomorrow. I've got today. I better live today. Live today. Take an advantage, opportunity that comes my, well, my way to serve God well, to serve you well. My days may be short. They may be long but I'm going to live today. Here's another scripture that goes well with the Ephesians 5 scripture. It's James 4. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow, what your life will be like. You're like a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live, we will do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is for them a sin. So if you know the good to do, just do it. Just do it. Paul is right. Our days are limited. James is right. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Whatever good we need to do, let us do it. Make that phone call. Send that email. Visit that neighbor. Take care of that aunt or uncle. If you have a bitterness or a division between yourself or another, 2020 is a good year to build bridges and tear down walls. Let's, let's live without bitterness. Let's live without walls between ourselves and our families and our friends. Let's live an open-handed life. We need to make the most of every opportunity that we have. It seems that much of our lives were unfocused. We just go from one day to the next. We don't realize that, that sin keeps us from doing that which we should do. 
I think the issue for a lot of us is time. How many of you have enough time? Well, Paul's got enough time. John's got enough time. You know, we all have the same amount of time. And it's all we have. And it's enough. It has to be. That's all we have. But not many of us put our hands up. We'd like more time. Lord, make it an eight-day week. Then I would be able to get everything done. But that's not the way it works. Time is the issue. We get so caught up in, in today that we forget about eternity. We forget about tomorrow. We overload ourselves with commitments. We work too hard. We spend, we spend a lot of, of time working hard. But then you know what else we do? I don't know. We love to amuse ourselves. TV, internet, puzzles, I don't know what it is. We, whatever, we love to amuse ourselves. I think you, you've heard about the new um, uh, Netflix, and people like to binge watch. So nowadays people will watch a show, or like 20 episodes of the show, so 20 hours worth of TV. They'll do it in a weekend. They'll watch TV all weekend long. It's called binge watching, and, and that's what people do. As I've been doing my research for this, I don't know if you know, but TV is no longer called TV. TV is called terrestrial TV. You know from an antenna or from cable TV? That's called terrestrial TV. You know what percentage of people under 25 call terrestrial TV their prefer preferred source of entertainment? What percent of 25-year-olds or younger watch TV like we used to? You won't believe this. One percent. 1% of kids, 25 kids, young people and, and younger, watch TV. They don't watch TV. What do they watch? Computers, phones. They can watch anything they want. And if they are watching on a TV, they're probably not watching terrestrial TV. Who can afford it anyway? It's so expensive. Cables and antennas and things. They're probably watching Netflix, Hulu, Crave, Amazon, YouTube. There's all these different ways to get your entertainment. There's no shortage of entertainment. Is there? Any shortage? Deep? You got any shortage of entertainment there? You need me to get you, shoot you my, uh, my uh, YouTube account or something so you can watch some non-terrestrial TV? It's uh, only 1%, can you believe it, of young people are paying for TV. So we work hard, and then we're so busy amusing ourselves. And we say, well, I promise that I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to meet with a friend. I'm going to go care for someone. I'm going to do something with another person. And what happens? Nothing. We end up sitting on the branch with the rest of the frogs. And we never jump. Do you know how hard it is sometimes to, to, make, to make a... A plan with someone? It's really hard. People these days, it's, it's everyone's too busy to, to have a lunch or to come for a visit. It's hard. So, my beloved church family, let us live while we're alive. Let's turn off the computer. Let's turn off the TV. And let's get a life. Can we do that? Let's not watch another love story on TV. Let's share our love with our neighbors and our friends and with each other. 
Let's ask God to do what he wants with us and then jump after that decision, jump into the pond and make a difference for Christ's sake. Can we do that? Can we do that? Thirdly, understanding what God's will is, verse 17 to 20 of Ephesians 5, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with hymns, songs, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father for everything. So, if we focus on God's will for us, First, we know what God's will is not. God's will is not that we be drunk on wine. Can you promise not to be drunk on wine in 2020? Amen. Let us do our best not to be drunk on wine. It's very difficult because we live with all of these grapes around us. We know that there is temptation as we drive through Virgil every time we drive to Niagara on the lake. Why? There's even people here who grow these beautiful grapes. Enjoy a glass of wine, if you'd, but, but we know it's quite clear. Drunkenness leads to debauchery, and that is not God's will. Is it God's will for us to be drunk? No. What is his will? His will is that we, one, be filled with the Spirit. Two, that we speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Are you saying beautiful things to one another? Take ten seconds and say something beautiful to the person beside you. Sing them a hymn or a song or a spiritual song. Tell them something. Say a kind word to the person beside you. Can you say a kind word? Can you say a kind word? God bless you as you say a kind word. Gertrude, God bless you. We love you. Thank you for your peaches. Kind words. Speak to one another. What is God's will? To speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What is God's will? To make music in our hearts. To, to serve God, to, to worship him in our heart with music. We had music up here this morning. Music is important. And God wants us to live with music not only in our ears, but in our hearts. Do you have music in your heart? Yeah, you do. We carry it with us. And uh, lastly, the last verse, uh, 20, and give thanks to God the Father for everything. That, that attitude of gratitude. Are you thankful? Are you thankful? Thankful for Reuben this morning that he's got his cast off. You know, thankful for all that last year held. Thankful for each of you. Thankful for our, our prayer meetings on Thursday, Friday night. So powerful and such a blessing to be together. Be grateful. Speak lovingly. Make music. Can you do it? I think we can. That's our calling. That's what he calls us to do. Don't get drunk on wine. Do this instead. And they're much better things. As we look forward to the new year, we have some decisions to make. What will affect our decisions, our scheduling, our relationships? Our relationship with Jesus Christ affects everything. 
And I just want to look at one situation. I want us this year to look at life through the filter of our faith. I think I have a picture there. Do we, William, is there a picture there of, of the front of the church? Did, did, uh, there it is. For right after New Year's Day, and the day after, and the day after, and a few days after, we had a tent city growing at the front of the church. That's the front doors of the church. Um, let me read a scripture to you, Matthew 25. Jesus says, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Jesus says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was, pris I was in prison, and you came to visit me. The righteous will answer him, and that's us, the righteous, his people. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty, give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? And Jesus replies, truly I tell you, whatever you did to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did to me. In this story, who is hungry? Jesus. Who is thirsty? Jesus. Who is naked and needing clothing? Jesus. Who is a stranger? Jesus. Who is in prison? Jesus. And when we visit, when we clothe, when we feed, when we give drink, we are serving Jesus. We aren't Jesus. We serve Jesus when we serve the needy. So, in light of that scripture, what do we do when we have a tent city being built at the front of the church? I wonder if scripture sheds light on our responsibilities for the least of our brothers. I wonder if this was Jesus, a homeless person. How do we respond? This, all of these things were put there by a man named John. Many of you saw them this week. He's a younger man, probably in his 40s. Um, he has no place to live from what we can understand. Um, he lives in a forest somewhere nearby. He has no home. So we are Mennonite brethren. <clears throat> we are Christians. How do we deal with this situation? I came to church this morning thinking full well that all of that stuff would still be there. Here's one solution. One, this is our property. He is trespassing. Let's call the police. Let's throw away all the garbage he's left at our front door. Let's have him taken away. He's homeless. This is his fault. Kick him out. What do you think? Is that, a, is that a solution for a Christian? How about this one? Possibility number two. You know, having all that stuff is dangerous. There was meat in there. There was food in there. All sorts of things in stolen shopping carts. What's going to happen when people look at our church? What are they going to think of us and all these stolen shopping carts? What will they think of the pastor? His things belong to him, but they don't belong on our property. Why would he bring these things to our church? They could cause a fire. Animals could come and start eating the meat. 
We have to have him take this stuff away now. How about that response? How about this one? Why has John put all of these things at the front door of the church and covered them in a tarp? How can he be living out there in the cold in St. Catharines? How can we help him? How can we find him a place for his things, a warm place to put his head at night? Let's call Southridge, see if they've got a place for him tonight. Let's call out of the cold. Perhaps there's a bed for him downtown where he could stay. Let's find him a warm place to spend the night and ask for all of the garbage that he left at our church. Let's see if we can help him find a place for it. When I wrote this, all of that garbage was at the front of the church. I showed up this morning at 8.30, and I found out that by 7.30, he had cleaned all of it out. 7.30 this morning, he removed all of that stuff. Many of you saw it. John and I were here yesterday morning, hoping that we could have a chat with him and see how he's doing. And Putting life through the filter of our faith. That was a situation that this morning by 8.30, everything was gone. Which should be our response? I gave you three possible. There's, there's thousands of possible responses. Did you feel good about the first response? I didn't either. How about the second one? Well, no, I didn't feel... This, our theme this year is rooted in love, faith, and compassion. If we really believe this, if we really follow Christ in 2020, here's what we have to do. We have to make God number one in our lives and our decisions about garbage at the front door, about how we spend our money, about how we love our neighbors, about how we live, will be based on the filter of Christ being number one in our lives. Number two, let's treat every day as a gift. Every day as a gift, and every opportunity as a gift from God to do his will. Number three, let's not just decide to serve Jesus, let's jump and be his hands and feet. Lastly, four, let's live all of our life through the filter of Scripture and God's love. So whether it be deciding on how to deal with things at the front door of the church that should not be there, or how to deal with our family, friends, our life, our health, we look at it all through the filter of our loving Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll do my best this year to preach and to teach and to help us to develop a, a robust filter that makes us strong men and women for Jesus Christ. And you, every day, please get into God's word as we seek to be mature believers. Amen? Let's pray together. Help us, Lord. Help us to use our days, our hours, wisely. Help us to develop a strong filter of faith that impacts our every word, our every thought, our every action. May your life flow through us so that no matter what happens, we may be always rejoicing, continually praying, continually gratitude, living in gratitude for all that you've done for us. Grant, Father, that our lives might be one loud 
thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.